0: 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6.
1: Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, Welcome to the show from the Uniden America studios.
0: This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, eight six six ninety Red Eye. We are Red Eye Radio. <laughs> He's Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara. We're here Friday. We made it. Yes, very busy week. Some uh, audio of things that happened uh, throughout uh, the week. This uh, was a Wednesday hearing, the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, grilling ATF director Stephen Dellenbach. And I just want to play this audio cut. Most of it is uh, Representative Wesley Hunt of Texas talking. He's uh, another Republican that I feel has a great future if he wishes to have it. Uh, here is part of his analysis talking to the ATF uh, director and talking about uh, guns, gun control, uh School shootings, uh, arming—you uh, know, having armed guards at uh, schools—I think it does a pretty good job here. Here we go.
2: I'm going to say the choir part out loud because we all know exactly what's going on here. It wasn't the fully automatic machine gun that was banned in 1986. It wasn't the bump stock. It certainly is not the pistol brace, and it, it is not the AR-15 of which I am the owner of multiple. The left has been chipping away at our Second Amendment rights for decades, and I'm sick of compromising. Every time my colleagues on the right compromise on guns, the next thing the left says is, we need to do more. And if the left can't repeal the Second Amendment, then they'll have an unlikely bureaucrat like yourself, sir, issue a regulation that will make 40 million Americans felons overnight. That's a fact. Compromising on our fundamental rights is not going to keep our children safe either our children should not be prey for homicidal maniacs and our schools should not be safer should not be as safe as we have here in congress they should be far safer than we have right now and if we're we're, we're willing to spend 113 billion dollars in ukraine that we could pay to keep our children safer so gentlemen in the corner thank you sir for standing in the corner with a gun and i feel safer by his presence already and every school should have you Present. I was in high school when Columbine happened, and prior to Columbine, we didn't have the level of violence that we're seeing today. In 1986, you can walk into a store anywhere in this country and buy a fully automatic weapon. And being from Texas, acquiring a weapon has always been relatively easy in my lifetime. Were there more or fewer mass shootings across our country when machine guns were available? I think we all know the answer to that. But we still weren't having these problems because it's not the guns. It's our core values that have plummeted. The left has been chipping away at our rights for years. They've also been chipping away at our core values. In 1960, 61% of black Americans were married. Today, the has plummeted to 30%. I am a current member of Congress today because I was raised in a two-parent household. We ate dinner together every single night. We prayed before dinner. We get to the church every single Sunday. My parents were heavily involved in my education. I said the Pledge of Allegiance every single day proudly. And I know every word to God bless the USA by Lee Greenwood. Because of these values, my sister, my brother, and I all graduated from West Point. We all served our country. Honorably, there's 60 years worth of military service just in my immediate family, which is by definition the American dream. Is because of these values. A recent Wall Street Journal survey came out, and it kind of confirmed these decline in our core American values over the course of the past 25 years. The question was, is what values are viewed as, quote, very important? Patriotism. In 1998, 70% survey felt like patriotism was very important today 38 percent religion 62 percent very important today 39 percent having children 59 percent in 98 30 percent today community 62 percent in 98 27 percent today the guns haven't changed the guns have always been available in the united states Our society has changed, and it's changed drastically, in my opinion, for the worse. So where does that leave us today? There's a reason why crime and gang violence is up. There's a reason why black women are the fastest growing demographics of gun owners in America. You know that, sir. Many of them live in Democrat-run cities with rising crime rates and district attorneys that put criminals ahead of innocent women like we see in New York. And by the way, it's not their husbands or their significant others that are purchasing guns for them. Black women are purchasing guns themselves because we know that Democrats replaced black husbands with Uncle Sam a long time ago. I've been listening to my colleagues on the left talk about guns all day you have no idea what you're talking about. I fear that if you can't tell me the difference between a man and a woman, I am not surprised that you don't know the difference between 556 and 300 blackout. The problem with this administration is always having people that are appointed to run these agencies that aren't fully qualified, that don't understand exactly what's going on and how things work. And if I were running the ATF, I would know a thing about the F in ATF. And by the way, for the record, that's firearms, sir. It's firearms. And with that, I yield back. Representative Wesley Hunt.
0: Yeah, great stuff. I mean, you know what's great about it? Totally unapologetic. Not, well, yep. uh, not yeah. wishy-washy. It's I like understand that people, and I, I, I am... Nope. Because we have to stop doing that. The the GOP has to stop doing that. We have to quit walking on eggshells. The time for that is over. And he brought up, I mean, every point he brought up is true. And we've stated it before that, you know, it's okay. We can't win here, so let's start whittling away. Okay, these guns go. Well, then yeah. when that doesn't solve the problem. Well, then we need more. And then we need right. more. And then when all the rifles are, <clears throat> are gone, then, well we got rid of the rifles but we realized rifles are actually only responsible for you know probably less than 1% mm-hmm. of the the murders in the United States it's all handguns so the next thing is whittling away at handguns well and this is something that and and I would add to the conversation too and he's right uh there's been a decline in the morals and yes. and the and the moral standards uh in our nation and I would add to that part of that decline is having uh, less and less value in life itself. As a society, if you don't start by putting the value in the life, then everything after that fails. Because if you don't value the lives and this goes from everything from abortion to now what they're trying to teach young children. All of this is important because if you're not going to value the lives of the next generations, expect that as they become adults, they're not going to value life. And you may see a greater increase of these horrific events I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I can tell you one thing that you're hard pressed to convince me otherwise, that it is not about this decline in valuing life as a society. Over the years, you know, he points out what's been legal and what, you know, and, and, and We've talked about it. My gosh, back in the day, you know, I grew up in Texas. Gun racks in trucks were normal. And you didn't freak out when you saw a gun in that gun rack in the truck. And nobody said anything about it. So what has changed? What's changed is the mentality what has changed is how we raise our children as he pointed out it is crucial it is paramount that we focus on the well-being of our children and that starts with putting the utmost value in life itself and every day doing everything we can to nurture that envi- environment and also to monitor to make sure that our kids are okay, that they are not living a life where they feel like no one values them. And more and more, we're seeing it. You know, we can even look, you, we talk about the gun debate, but everything flows together, and when it comes to, to young people we've seen this massive massive increase in the suicide rate of adolescent women there's a reason for that there's a reason and there's also this deafening silence surrounding it mm-hmm. i know that a lot of people would are, are are don't have the answers but there has to be an answer and there has to be a solution And it doesn't start with silence. When you see, you know, because he brings up the great point that the left never wishes to discuss. How do we get to this point? How did we have, you know, we have more guns because we have more people. But there were still plenty of guns in this society in 1970, 1960, 1950, 1940. My my dad, you know, when he was in high school, my 97-year-old dad when he was in high school, uh, then belonged to the shooting club. Mm Mm-hmm. They brought their rifles into the school and kept them in their lockers. Mm-hmm. Think about that. So, what has changed? We're all still human beings. What has changed the morality? You know, you talk about, and we've had great, you know, great discussions in the past on, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, about life and cherishing life and and respect for for life, and that has been decreased. I believe where even people don't value their own lives in in the the same way. There isn't the same love for self. Which love for self, of course, doesn't mean selfishness and what I want now. It's you know as I've always stated to young people that I know. Uh, you know how you uh, you believe you protect your little brother, or your little sister, or whatever, and uh, you want them to to be okay. And you realize that in order to love them correctly you need to you know you need to discipline them well self love is about discipline yourself disciplining yourself also it is about self-control it is about you know you know truly loving yourself and and being autonomous and when you see not only has the value of life gone down but one thing that I don't think the left understands at all and it isn't talked about enough that when you move away from autonomy of an individual to groups When you move away from autonomy, you're moving away also from individual rights. And as you notice, when it comes to the Bill of Rights, when it comes to freedom of speech, when it comes to freedom of religion, when it comes to freedom of self-protection, when it comes to all these freedoms that we've talked about, where is it where you have a group of people that don't believe in that anymore that wants to reduce individual rights? If If you're reducing individual rights... You're reducing the value of a life to begin with. And I don't think that's discussed enough either about that's one of the problems of the the left. They don't value life as much. And obviously the signs are if you don't value individual rights, it means you don't value life. That's why our country was built on the Bill of Rights. That's why it is about the individual. That, In fact, you think about this across the board. The individual rights is what it, the entire uh, constitution is based on. You know, when you look at the fact of the uh, the um, uh, whether it's the, um, the the Senate, for example, they want to get rid of the Senate and have you know basically uh, the uh, the uh, 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 a pure democracy or <clears throat> a pure representative democracy. Well, you don't have that because of the uh, the uh, the belief of the founding fathers and the belief in ours that the majority does not get the tyranny of the majority does not get to oppress the minority because individual rights is what the whole thing is based on. Well, individual rights, why are there individual rights? Because we value the individual life. The individual life is what is imperative and the autonomy of that individual, which is why we're not racist because we're not going to judge people by groups. If you judge people by a group, then you value the life of that; you devalue the life of that individual, and the left is consistently doing that. And so that's why I think it's Wesley Hunt was great. And I'm sure he didn't cover nearly everything that he thinks about it, but he's on the right track across the board. Everything that he talked oh, yeah. about is, oh, yeah. Is, yeah. is is accurate. Yeah. And the left doesn't want to talk about that. No, they don't. You know, I had, you know, again, and when I say my father brought his rifles to school, that was in New York. Mm -hmm. think about that think how much that has that has changed i was shooting my dad's pistols when i probably was nine or ten years old Mm -hmm. we were out at the target range on a consistent basis i remember you know we knew where my father's guns were they were locked but we knew where the key was we weren't dumb. we observed did we ever go in there (laughs) no way no way you never but and, and and the so the fact is you you knew it, but you had such a healthy respect, even at a young age, for firearms, and you were taught that they are tools. They are tools that you use. They're not to threaten people with. They're not to kill. They're not to kill people with. You know, randomly, they are for self defense, but they're a tool that you use. And when you're brought up that way. You have that respect for life across the board, but there's so many levels, and that's why I'm glad we're having this conversation. So many levels that he that he actually brought up from the respect for life, the respect for individual rights, which is the respect, uh, you know, uh, for life out there, our values overall, and that's yeah. what he's talking about. And the Democrats right. do not want to talk about it. It's the gun. Get rid of the gun, and society will be okay. Well, we know that's a bunch of hogwash. Right. Eight, it is eight six six ninety red eye.
3: Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance.
1: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
0: great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety uh, Red Eye. We'll get some of the polling out there on the economy. Seventy five percent of Americans think the economy is getting worse. Hmm. And the funny thing is that the administration will keep saying, "But the jobs are there. The jobs are there. The jobs are there. The jobs are there." Doesn't matter. that's well, that's, that's why the economy is bad. The economy is, and we've stated before, that's why inflation is always worse than a recession because in a recession. You probably will have. You won't have really bad inflation if it's just a recession. Uh, in fact, you know you'll probably have, you know, less. Uh, you know, you'll probably have more supply and less less demand, and or excuse me, uh, more. Um, uh, you'll probably have less demand and more supply, and so prices actually will moderate. And even in the worst recessions, you'll still have ninety percent of the people working in inflation. People can't make it, and they're working. They get another job, and they still can't make it. That's the problem. That's why the yeah. Public- that's something we touched on earlier. You know, mm-hmm. you, you make the decision to take on a second job. Now you're working. You know what you what feels like around the clock, yep. and you're still behind. Yep. bonus show it's Eye radio he's eric harley and i'm gary mcnamara 866 uh, 90 uh red eye uh tons of uh audio here to play uh mm. on this friday just things we didn't uh, get to but uh this is was just more great audio uh this was scott jennings on uh, cnn with Randy Weigarden right there mm. from the National Teachers Union right yeah. there. And she was before Congress this week. Yeah. Totally trying to I mean, the the uh gaslighting was amazing. Mm. I mean it was yeah you know, how she tried to keep schools open. I mean it was just like stop it. And of all the you know, all the different things that I've seen, you know, from members of Congress, whatever, this is actually to me the best one of the best statements that was made. Because he was saying it to her, right to her face, as she's sitting there at CNN on the panel. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, here it is, Uh, his criticism of Randy Weingarten and the uh, school closings. Yeah, um, we don't know each other, but
4: speaking on behalf of millions of American parents, I have four at home. I had to teach them at home. My wife had to teach them at home. I am stunned at what you have said this week about your claiming to have wanted to reopen schools. I think most you'll find that most parents believe you were the tip of the spear of school closures. There are numerous statements you made over the summer of 20 scaring people to death about the possibility of opening schools. And I hear no remorse whatsoever about the generational damage that's been done to these kids. I have two kids with learning differences. Do you know how hard it is for them to learn at home and not in a classroom that was designed for them? And for you to sit in front of Congress and the American people and say, oh, I I wanted to open them the whole time. I I am shocked. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. And there are millions of parents who feel
0: the exact same way.
1: Okay. Go ahead,
0: Ryder. Yeah. No, I mean, I like that setting, and I, I like the fact that he addressed it directly in that setting. Because again, far too often, you see in that setting people walking on eggshells. yeah she's lying. she's absolutely she, she's lying, doing the same thing. you know they as you know, we had said this in I think the first time we said it was probably April of 2020. Mm-hmm. We said the government we can guarantee is going to get a ton of stuff wrong, and the Democrats are going to use this as an opportunity to spend money and do the things that they wish to that, that that they that they wish to do and it's exactly what happened I, and we said but there will be a time when they're going to be called on it after covid is over well that time is right now and fauci's not looking really good right now there's not a lot of people that are sitting there saying oh yeah go fauci 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 you notice his support is dead his his uh firewall of defenders is gone. And the same with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Weingarten. It's like, you should seen the look she's giving Scott Jennings, uh, you know, at that point. But uh, it's, it's true. I mean, she was gaslighting uh, all, all this week, trying to rewrite history. Just like, you know, it's interesting because both her and Fauci this week, Fauci out there, I never closed one school. Nobody said you did. No. But you advised that schools be closed. Yep. And people followed what your advice was. Yep. So stop it. And you don't see again. There isn't this. There's a couple of things this week. And we'll get to the other one in just a moment. But the, But this, this is one right here where you don't see a lot of. You, everybody knows now. Everybody knows that closing the schools was the wrong thing to do. Everyone. There isn't anyone that doesn't realize because there were some things in COVID that were consistent and the things in COVID that were consistent was elderly people were the most vulnerable, young people were the least vulnerable by a wide margin to the point that the serious sickness and death rate to COVID was a lot less than the flu. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, to close schools was never necessary, and we knew that from the very, very beginning. Yeah, and so that's why the public that the the public knows that, and then the public also knows, and parents know the hardship of s- some kids being out of school for two years,
5: mm-hmm.
0: and they need to be criticized. They need to be criticized severely. Uh, you know. Weingarten's a private, you know, in a in a in a union. So she's a private, she's a you know a private person. But she needs to be called out on the lies and what she was actually promoted. And she's she's walking around as if the quotes don't exist. Yeah, no, they of they often said. do that. They often do that, and they they count on, they bet on people not doing their homework and not remembering. Look, if we were to go back and recap it, if you were to turn the whole COVID thing into a Netflix series, it would be an eye-opener for a lot of people that lived through it. And they count on people forgetting. They count on people dismissing it and wanting to move on. They count on people not caring. And for Weingarten, you, you look, that the unions and the unions have a lot of political power and you're right uh, she's not an, el- an elected official but they have so much leverage and they had so much say in what was going on with our children that they do have a responsibility and they do have this burden on their shoulders of taking that responsibility now the reason you're not hearing remorse is because that's not the kind of people they are. No, that's not the that's not who Fauci is. It's not who she is. She doesn't care about the children. No, she doesn't no. care about the students. If if she did, number one, you would know that from the beginning. If Fauci were concerned in weren't power hungry, you would know that from the beginning. This is why there has been such criticism. Because you see it all along the way. If these individuals were caring individuals who did understand what people were going through and cared about what people were going through and cared about the the students in schools and cared about the effect of the closures and everything else, if we knew that from the beginning and could see that, then you could understand and certainly accept them saying right now, we got it wrong and we're sorry. But you're not going to hear that from them because there's no remorse because there's no caring. There's no consideration. They're not thoughtful individuals. They're power hungry. And with Weingarten, I can say she doesn't care about the kids, and I can explain it very simply. The science was never with her. And then when society was opening up, and adults who were more susceptible to COVID were allowed to go out and do things. She was still insisting the schools be closed. Yeah. And if she's getting to the point that, well, by the time we got to February of 2022, we, as she was talking about yesterday, we were, we were passionate for schools to be open. Yeah. Uh, two years late. Yeah. They never needed to be closed. Schools never needed to be closed. No, they didn't. And she was the major catalyst to push it and push the administration, one of the major catalysts. Well, actually, I would say the major catalyst to convince the administration to close down schools because she's the head of the National Teachers Union. Well, we traced it back every time. Every time there was a back and forth, which was pretty much seem to be on a daily basis throughout you trace it back and it always traced back to her. Yep. And she was very vocal. She was absolutely vocal. We've sat here. That's why it was <clears throat> interesting this week it's like you shaking your head while saying, wow, I mean we know that they lie about every topic, but it's different to lie on a topic. But but when you gaslight on something that everybody knows because they've all experienced it for the last three years and know the fact that children weren't affected by COVID and the schools should have never been closed, again, and the consensus and analysis has already been done and the public has accepted it, and then she's like, we never wanted to close schools. Again, it's like they believe the Google webs doesn't exist. I know. And they believe the people that support them are idiots yeah, and are ignorant or, and don't know anything. And or uncaring as well, that yeah. they don't yeah. care. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're in it to win it, like she and her union were, you use everything you got. It's not about the kids. No, it's not. Well... We said it from the beginning. At some point, there's going to be a reckoning across the board. Welcome to the reckoning. Yep. And you don't see much defense of her on the left no. either. Oh, and the other thing I was—I mentioned because you had mentioned it yesterday, uh, just on the uh, the, uh, the 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 civil trial against uh, uh, Trump. Mm. The on on the civil, I guess it would be is it defamation? Is that what it is? that what? Yeah. Is it, I, is it, is it technically I, I, a defamation right. lawsuit basically? Mm-hmm. But you were saying it yesterday. You were just, you know, we were talking off the air about it and you just said, what happened to me too? Well, that's you it. You know what? I mean, there, there's there seems there's, to be no, no defenders no buzz of, on the left to defend. Carol. Right. And, and, and that's, that's the one thing that's missing. You know, I was, I, I, I always kind of step back and, and, and watch it. And you and I, there are so many stories that we cover, so many stories that you and I follow that don't necessarily make it to the show uh, on a day one or whatever because we believe all right, let's go through the process um, you know if it's especially if it's a, a court situation uh, and we'll learn more about it as we go through it, right? I don't have to issue an opinion. I wasn't there. I can't tell you what happened or didn't happen. And so you go through that process and as you learn, but as you, but as we watch the coverage of it, what is missing is her defenders. Yeah. In the past, especially anything regarding anybody on the right, but I mean, this is Donald Trump. Where are her defenders out in force. I I don't see them. I'm I'm not saying that it means that she's lying. I'm just saying it's odd that they're not there. And I'd like to know the reason. I mean, I'm curious. I just don't. I just don't see it at all. And typically, again. Somebody making this kind of accusation against Donald Trump, man, you go back to 2016, this would be the story. Yeah, and, and especially with him running, it's ex- yeah. it's extremely, yeah. especially on the left, yeah. you don't hear anything. It's extremely, right. it's, th- it, it's there just, is no volume. Right. There is right. no volume at all on it. Right. And it's right. like, hmm, this is. I mean, it just seems yeah. like she's on her own. Where it would typically be, uh, again, if you were. To go back to 2016, the very same scenario in 2016, she would be surrounded every day and the courthouse steps every day you would see her defenders out there enforced yeah, yeah, and in the right. media. No, you're right. Yep. And you don't see that. No, you don't. I mean, her lawyers yeah. and, well, we and don't, she herself. Yeah, but, we, don't have, we don't have an answer. It's just an observation. Yeah. I can't tell you what's true, what isn't true in that case. But, but, I I can, don't, but I can, but I, but I don't I can have tell a, you what I observe in terms of the coverage right. and what's going on surrounding her outside well, of the court. What I meant not having an answer for is not the actual trial, but right. why the left isn't out there right. actively yeah, supporting her. yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. have the answer for that either. Eight six six ninety red Eye.
1: We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
0: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Coney and I'm Gary McNamara, Eight six six ninety uh, Red Eye. A couple of polls here. Majority believe Biden family received millions from the Chinese government-linked sources. We'll get to that coming up. And 75% of Americans think the economy is getting uh, uh, worse. So we'll get uh, to that. Plus, Martina Navratilova speaks out. Mm. Uh, Leah Thomas does. Dylan Mulvaney does. Mm. Interesting day there. Dylan Mulvaney, I've read uh, that story, believes that You should be jailed. It should be a criminal offense not to use pronouns. Yeah. Okay. Good. Sexist. mm -hmm. Misogynist. Fascist. Right. (laughs) Well, we keep adding the labels. Right. And and if I choose my pronoun and you don't like my pronoun, then what happens? is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. We are Red Eye Radio. (laughs) He's Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara. We're here Friday. We made it. Yes. Very busy week. Some uh, audio of things that happened uh, throughout uh, the week. This uh, was a Wednesday hearing the House Judiciary Committee uh, grilling ATF Director Stephen Dellenbach. And I just want to play this audio cut. Most of it is Uh, Representative Wesley Hunt of Texas talking. He's uh, another Republican that I feel has a great future if he wishes to have it. Uh, Here is part of his analysis talking to the ATF uh, director and talking about uh, guns, gun control, uh, school shootings, uh, arming, uh, you know, having armed guards at uh, schools. I think it does a pretty good job here. Here we go. I'm going to say the
2: quiet part out loud because we all know exactly what's going on here. It wasn't the fully automatic machine gun that was made in 1986. It wasn't the bump stock. It certainly is not the pistol brace. And it is not the AR 15, of which I am the owner of multiple. The left has been chipping away at our Second Amendment rights for decades, and I'm sick of compromising. Every time my colleagues on the right compromise on guns, the next thing the left says is, we need to do more. And if the left can't repeal the Second Amendment, then they'll have an unlikely bureaucrat like yourself, sir, issue a regulation that will make 40 million Americans felons overnight. That's a fact. Compromising on our fundamental rights is not going to keep our children safe either. Our children should not be prey for homicidal maniacs. And our schools should not be safer, should not be as safe as we have here in Congress. They should be far safer than we have right now. And if we're willing to spend $113 billion in Ukraine, then we could pay to keep our children safer. So gentlemen in the corner, thank you, sir, for standing in the corner with a gun. And I feel safer by his presence already. And every school should have you present I was in high school when Columbine happened, and prior to Columbine, we didn't have the level of violence that we're seeing today. In 1986, you can walk into a store anywhere in this country and buy a fully automatic weapon. And being from Texas, acquiring a weapon has always been relatively easy in my lifetime. Were there more or fewer mass shootings across our country when machine guns were available? I think we all know the answer to that. But we still weren't having these problems because it's not the guns, it's our core values that have plummeted. The left has been chipping away at our rights for years. They've also been chipping away at our core values. In 1960, 61% of black Americans were married. Today, the has plummeted to 30%. I am a current member of Congress today because I was raised in a two-parent household. We ate dinner together every single night. We prayed before dinner. We get to the church every single Sunday. My parents were heavily involved in my education. I said the Pledge of Allegiance every single day proudly. And I know every word to God Bless the USA by Lee Greenwood. Because of these values, my sister, my brother, and I all graduated from West Point. We all served our country Honorably, there's 60 years worth of military service just in my immediate family, which is by definition the American dream. Is because of these values. A recent Wall Street Journal survey came out, and it kind of confirmed these decline in our core American values over the course of the past 25 years. The question was, is what values are viewed as, quote, very important? Patriotism. In 1998, 70%. Survey felt like patriotism was very important today, 38%. Religion, 62%, very important today, 39%. Having children, 59% in 98, 30% today. Community, 62% in 98, 27% today. The guns haven't changed. The guns have always been available in the United States. Our society has changed, and has changed drastically, in my opinion, for the worse. So where does that leave us today? There's a reason why crime and gang violence is up. There's a reason why black women are the fastest growing demographics of gun owners in America. You know that, sir. Many of them live in Democrat-run cities with rising crime rates and district attorneys that put criminals ahead of innocent women like we see in New York. And by the way, it's not their husbands or their significant others that are purchasing guns for them. Black women are purchasing guns themselves because we know that Democrats replaced black husbands with Uncle Sam a long time ago. I've been listening to my colleagues on the left talk about guns all day you have no idea what you're talking about. I fear that if you can't tell me the difference between a man and a woman, I am not surprised that you don't know the difference between 556 and 300 blackout. The problem with this administration is always having people that are appointed to run these agencies that aren't fully qualified, that don't understand exactly what's going on and how things work. And if I were running the ATF, I would know a thing about the F in ATF. And by the way, for the record, that's firearms, sir. It's firearms. And with that, I yield back. Representative Wesley Hunt.
0: Yeah, great stuff. You know what's great about it? Totally unapologetic. Not, well, uh, not wishy-washy. I understand that people, and I, I, I am... Nope. Because we have to stop doing that. The the GOP has to stop doing that. We have to quit walking on eggshells. The time for that is over. And he brought up, I mean, every point he brought up is true. And we've stated it before that, you know, it's okay. We can't win here, so let's start whittling away. Okay, these guns go. Well, then yeah. when that doesn't solve the problem, well, then we need more. And then we need right. more. And then when all the rifles are, <clears throat> are gone, then, well... We got rid of the rifles, but we realize rifles are actually only responsible for you know probably less than one percent mm-hmm. of the the murders in the United States. It's all handguns. So the next thing is whittling away at handguns. Well, and this is something that and and I would add to the conversation too. And he's right; uh, there has been a decline in the morals and yes. and the and the moral standards uh, in our nation. And I would add to that part of that decline. Is having uh, less and less value in life itself. As a society, if you don't start by putting the value in the life, then everything after that fails. Because if you don't value the lives And this goes from everything from abortion to now what they're trying to teach young children. All of this is important because if you're not going to value the lives of the next generations, expect that as they become adults, they're not going to value life and you may see a greater increase of these horrific events I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I can tell you one thing that you're hard pressed to convince me otherwise, that it is not about this decline in valuing life as a society. Over the years, you know, he points out what's been legal and what, you know, and and. We talked about it. My gosh, back in the day, you know, I grew up in Texas. Gun racks in trucks were normal, and you didn't freak out when you saw a gun in that gun rack in the truck. And nobody said anything about it. So, what has changed? What's changed? is the mentality what has changed is how we raise our children as he pointed out it is crucial it is paramount that we focus on the well-being of our children and that starts with putting the utmost value in life itself and every day doing everything we can to nurture that environment and also to monitor to make sure that our kids are okay, that they are not living a life where they feel like no one values them. And more and more, we're seeing it. You know, we can even look, we talk about the gun debate, but everything flows together, and when it comes to young people we've seen this massive massive increase in the suicide rate of adolescent women there's a reason for that there's a reason and there's also this deafening silence surrounding it mm-hmm. i know that a lot of people would are, are are don't have the answers but there has to be an answer and there has to be a solution And it doesn't start with silence. When you see, you know, because he brings up the great point that the left never wishes to discuss. How do we get to this point? How did we have, you know, we have more guns because we have more people. But there were still plenty of guns in this society in 1970, 1960, 1950, 1940. My my dad, you know, when he was in high school, my 97-year-old dad when he was in high school, uh, then belonged to the shooting club. Mm Mm-hmm. They brought their rifles into the school and kept them in their lockers. Mm-hmm. Think about that. So, what has changed? We're all still human beings. What has changed? The morality. You know, you talk about, and we've had great, you know, great discussions in the past on, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, about life and cherishing life and and respect for for life, and that has been decreased. I believe where even people don't value their own lives in in the the same way. There isn't the same love for self. Which love for self, of course, doesn't mean selfishness and what I want now. It's you know as I've always stated to young people that I know. Uh, you know how you uh, you believe you protect your little brother, or your little sister, or whatever, and uh, you want them to to be okay. And you realize that in order to love them correctly, you need to, you know, you need to discipline them. Well, self-love is about discipline yourself, disciplining yourself also. It is about self-control. It is about, you know, you know truly loving yourself and, and being autonomous. And when you see not only has the value of life gone down, but one thing that I don't think the left understands at all, and it isn't talked about enough, that when you move away from autonomy of an individual to groups, when you move away from autonomy, you're moving away also from individual rights. And as you notice, when it comes to the Bill of Rights, when it comes to freedom of speech, when it comes to freedom of religion, when it comes to freedom of self-protection, when it comes to all these freedoms that we've talked about, where is it where you have a group of people that don't believe in that anymore that wants to reduce individual rights? if you're do, If you're reducing individual rights... You're reducing the value of a life to begin with. And I don't think that's discussed enough either about that's one of the problems of the the left. They don't value life as much. And obviously the signs are if you don't value individual rights, it means you don't value life. That's why our country was built on the Bill of Rights. That's why it is about the individual. That, In fact, you think about this across the board. The individual rights is what it, the entire uh, constitution is based on. You know, when you look at the fact of the uh, the um, uh, whether it's the, um, the the Senate, for example, they want to get rid of the Senate and have you know basically uh, the uh, the uh, 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 a pure democracy or <clears throat> a pure representative democracy. Well, you don't have that because of the uh, the uh, the belief of the founding fathers and the belief in ours that the majority does not get, the tyranny of the majority does not get to oppress the minority because individual rights is what the whole thing is based on. Well, individual rights, why are there individual rights? Because we value the individual life. The individual life is what is imperative and the autonomy of that individual, which is why we're not racist because we're not going to judge people by groups. If you judge people by a group, then you value the life of that, you devalue the life of that individual. And the left is consistently doing that, and so that's why I think it's Wesley Hunt was great. I'm sure he didn't cover nearly everything that he thinks about it, but he's on the right track across the board. Everything that he talked about is is, is accurate, and the left doesn't want to talk about that. No, they don't. You know, I had, you know, again, and when I say my father brought his rifles to school, that was in New York. Mm -hmm. think about that think how much that has that has changed i was shooting my dad's pistols when i probably was nine or ten years old Mm -hmm. we were out at the target range on a consistent basis i remember you know we knew where my father's guns were they were locked but we knew where the key was we weren't dumb we observed did we ever go in there (laughs) no way no way you never but and 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 the so the fact is you you knew it, but you had such a healthy respect, even at a young age, for firearms. And you were taught that they are tools. They are tools that you use. They're not to threaten people with. They're not to kill. They're not to kill people with. You know, randomly, they are for self defense. But they're a tool that you use. And when you're brought up that way. You have that respect for life across the board, but there's so many levels, and that's why I'm glad we're having this conversation. So many levels that he that he actually brought up from the respect for life, the respect for individual rights, which is the respect, uh, you know, uh, for life out there, our values overall, and that's yep. what he's talking about. And the Democrats right. do not want to talk about it. It's the gun. Get rid of the gun, and society will be okay. Well, we know that's a bunch of hogwash. Right. It eight, is eight six six ninety red eye.
3: Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance.
1: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
0: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, Eight six six ninety uh, red Eye. We'll get some of the polling out there on the economy. 75% of Americans think the economy is getting worse. Hmm. And the funny thing is that the administration will keep saying, but the jobs are there, the jobs are there, the jobs are there, the jobs are there. doesn't matter. That's, well, that's, that's why the economy is bad. The economy is, and we've stated before, that's why inflation is always worse than a recession. Because in a recession... You probably will have. You won't have really bad inflation if it's just a recession. In fact, you know you'll probably have, you know, less. Uh, you know, you'll probably have more supply and less less demand, and or excuse me, uh, more. Um, uh, you'll probably have less demand and more supply, and so prices actually will moderate. And even in the worst recessions, you'll still have ninety percent of the people working in inflation. People can't make it, and they're working. They get another job, and they still can't make it. That's the problem. That's why the public... Yeah, that's something we touched on earlier. You know, Mm -hmm. you make the decision to take on a second job. Now you're working, you know, what what feels like around the clock, and you're still behind.
1: A bonus show.
0: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, Eight six six ninety 90 red eye uh, Tons of uh, audio here to play uh, mm. on this Friday, just things we didn't uh, get to. But uh, this is was just more great audio. Uh, this was Scott Jennings on uh, CNN with Randy Weigarden right there mm. from the National Teachers Union right yeah. there and she was before Congress this week. Yeah. Totally trying to I mean the the uh, gaslighting was amazing. Mm. I mean it was oh you know, she tried to keep schools open. I mean it was just like stop it. And of all the you know all the different things that I've seen, you know from members of Congress whatever, this is actually to me the best one of the best statements that was made. Because he was saying it to her, right to her face, as she's sitting there at CNN on the panel. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, here it is, Uh, his criticism of Randy Weingarten and the uh, school closings. Yeah, um, we don't know each
4: other, but speaking on behalf of millions of American parents, I have four at home. I had to teach them at home. My wife had to teach them at home. I am stunned at what you have said this week about your claiming to have wanted to reopen schools. I think most, you'll find that most parents believe you were the tip of the spear of school closures. There are numerous statements you made over the summer of 20, scaring people to death about the possibility of opening schools. And I hear no remorse whatsoever about the generational damage that's been done to these kids. I have two kids with learning differences. Do you know how hard it is for them to learn at home and not in a classroom that was designed for them? And for you to sit in front of Congress and the American people and say, oh, I I wanted to open them the whole time. I I am shocked. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. And there are millions of parents who feel the exact same way.
1: Okay. Go ahead,
0: Ryder. Yeah. No, I mean, I like that setting, and I, I like the fact that he addressed it directly in that setting. Because again, far too often you see in that setting people walking on eggshells. Yeah, she's lying. She's absolutely she, she's lying. Doing the same thing. You know, they as you know, we had said this in. I think the first time we said it was probably April of 2020. Mm-hmm. We said the government we can guarantee is going to get a ton of stuff wrong, and the Democrats are going to use this as an opportunity to spend money and do the things that they wish to that 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 they that they wish to do and it's exactly what happened I, and we said but there will be a time when they're going to be called on it after covid is over well that time is right now and fauci's not looking really good right now there's not a lot of people that are sitting there saying oh yeah go fauci 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 you notice his support is dead his his uh firewall of defenders is gone. And the same with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Weingarten. It's like, you should have seen the look she's giving Scott Jennings, uh, you know, at that point. But uh, it's, it's true. I mean, she was gaslighting uh, all, all this week, trying to rewrite history. Just like, you know, it's interesting because both her and Fauci this week, Fauci out there, I never closed one school. Nobody said you did. No. But you advised that schools be closed. Yep. And people followed what your advice was. Yep. So stop it. And you don't see again. There isn't this. There's a couple of things this week. And we'll get to the other one in just a moment. But the, But this, this is one right here where you don't see a lot of. You, everybody knows now. Everybody knows that closing the schools was the wrong thing to do. Everyone. There isn't anyone that doesn't realize because there were some things in COVID that were consistent and the things in COVID that were consistent was elderly people were the most vulnerable. Young people were the least vulnerable by a wide margin to the point that the sick, serious sickness and death rate to COVID was a lot less than the flu. Mm
5: hmm.
0: And so, to close schools was never necessary, and we knew that from the very, very beginning. Yeah, and so that's why the public that the, the public knows that, and then the public also knows, and parents know the hardship of s- some kids being out of school for two years, mm-hmm. and they need to be criticized. They need to be criticized severely. Uh, you know. Wine garden's a private you know in a in a in a union so she's a private she's a you know a private person but she needs to be called out on the lies and what she was actually promoted and she's she's walking around as if the quotes don't exist yeah no they of they often said. do that they often do that and they they count on they bet on people not doing their homework and not remembering. Look, if we were to go back and recap it, if you were to turn the whole COVID thing into a Netflix series, it would be an eye-opener for a lot of people that lived through it. And they count on people forgetting. They count on people dismissing it and wanting to move on. They count on people not caring. And for Weingarten, you, you look, that the unions and the unions have a lot of political power and you're right uh, she's not an, el- an elected official but they have so much leverage and they had so much say in what was going on with our children that they do have a responsibility and they do have this burden on their shoulders of taking that responsibility now the reason you're not hearing remorse is because that's not the kind of people they are. No, that's not the that's not who Fauci is. It's not who she is. Right. She doesn't care about the children. No, she no. doesn't care about the students. If if she did, number one, you would know that from the beginning. If Fauci were concerned in weren't power-hungry, you would know that from the beginning. This is why there has been such criticism. Because you see it all along the way. If these individuals were caring individuals who did understand what people were going through and cared about what people were going through and cared about the, the students in schools and cared about the effect of the closures and everything else, If we knew that from the beginning and could see that, then you could understand and certainly accept them saying right now, we got it wrong and we're sorry. But you're not going to hear that from them because there's no remorse, because there's no caring. There's no consideration. They're not thoughtful individuals. They're power hungry. And with Weingarten, I can say she doesn't care about the kids, and I can explain it very simply. The science was never with her. And then when society was opening up and adults who were more susceptible to COVID were allowed to go out and do things, she was still insisting the schools be closed. Yeah. And if she's getting to the point that, well, by the time we got to February of 2022, we as she was talking about yesterday, we were, we were passionate for schools to be open. And yeah. Uh, two years late. Yeah. They never needed to be closed. Schools never needed to be closed. No, they didn't. And she was the major catalyst to push it and push the administration, one of the major catalysts. Well, actually, I would say the major catalyst to convince the administration to close down schools because she's the head of the National Teachers Union. Well, we traced it back every time. Every time there was a back and forth, which was pretty much seemed to be on a daily basis throughout, you trace it back, and it always traced back to her. Yep. And she was very vocal. She was absolutely vocal. We have sat here. That's why it was <clears throat> interesting this week. It's like shaking your head while saying, Wow, I mean, we know that they lie about every topic, but it's different to lie on a topic. But but when you gaslight on something that everybody knows because they've all experienced it for the last three years and know the fact that children weren't affected by COVID and the schools should have never been closed, again, the consensus and analysis has already been done and the public has accepted it. And then she's like, we never wanted to close schools. Again, it's like they believe the Google Web's doesn't exist. I know. And they believe the people that support them are idiots. Yeah. And are ignorant or, and don't know anything. And or uncaring as well. That yeah. they don't yeah. care. And if you're, you know, if you're in it to win it, like she and her union were, you use everything you got. It's not about the kids. No, it's not. Well, we said it from the beginning. At some point, there's going to be a reckoning across the board. Welcome to the reckoning. Yep. And you don't see much defense of her on the left either. Oh, and the other thing I I mentioned, because you had mentioned it yesterday, uh, just on the uh, the uh, the 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 civil trial against uh, uh, Trump, mm. the on on the civil, I guess it would be, is it defamation? Is that what it, is that what? Yeah, is it, I, is it I technically I, a defamation right. lawsuit basically. Mm-hmm. But you were saying it yesterday. You were just you know we were talking off the air about it, and you just said, "What happened to me too?" Well, that's you it. Know what? I mean, there there's seems there's, to be no no defenders. No buzz of, on the left to defend Carol, right? And 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 that's that's the one thing that's missing. You know, I was I I, I always kind of step back and 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 watch it. And you and I, there are so many stories that we cover. So mm-hmm. many stories that you and I follow that don't necessarily make it to the show uh on a day one or whatever because we believe all right let's go through the process um you know if it's especially if it's a, a court situation uh, and we'll learn more about it as we go through it right i don't have to issue an opinion i wasn't there i can't tell you what happened or didn't happen and so you go through that process and as you learn but as you but as we watch the coverage of it What is missing is her defenders. Yeah. In the past, especially anything regarding anybody on the right, but I mean, this is Donald Trump. Where are her defenders out in force? I I don't see them. I'm, I'm not saying that it means that she's lying. I'm just saying it's odd that they're not there. and i'd like to know the reason i mean i'm curious i just don't i just don't see it at all and typically again somebody making this kind of accusation against donald trump man you go back to 2016 this would be the story yeah and, and especially with him running it's ex- yeah. it's extremely yeah. especially on the left yeah. you don't hear anything it's extremely right. It's, it, it's there is no volume. Quiet. There is right. no volume at all on it. Right. And it's right. like, hmm, this is... I mean, it just seems yeah. like she's on her own. Where it would typically be, uh, again, if you were to go back to 2016, the very same scenario in 2016, she would be surrounded every day. And the courthouse steps every day you would see her defenders out there enforced, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, in the right. media. No, you're right. Yep, And... You don't see that. No, you don't. I mean, her lawyers and, yeah, well, and she herself. Yeah, but, we don't have we don't have an answer. It's just an ob, it's just an observation. Well, yeah, we do, I, I don't. Uh, yeah. I can't tell you what's true, what isn't true in that case. Right. But but I can tell you what I observe in terms of the coverage right. and what's going on surrounding her outside well, of the. Court. What I meant not having an answer for is not the actual trial, but right. Why the left isn't out there right. actively? Supporting yeah, I don't. Her. I don't yeah. have the answer for that either. Eight six six ninety Red Eye.
1: We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
0: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Horne and I'm Gary McNamara, Eight six six ninety uh, Red Eye. A couple of polls here. Majority believe Biden family received millions from the Chinese government-linked sources. We'll get to that coming up. And 75% of Americans think the economy is getting uh, uh, worse. So we'll get uh, to that. Plus, Martina Navratilova speaks out. Mm. Uh, Leah Thomas does. Dylan Mulvaney does. Mm. Interesting day there. Dylan Mulvaney, I've read uh, that story, believes that you should be jailed. It should be a criminal offense not to use pronouns. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Sexist. Mm-hmm. Misogynist. Fascist. Right. <laughs> well, we keep adding the labels. Right. And and if I choose my pronoun and you don't like my pronoun, then what happens? <laughs> is red-eye radio all across america and around the world eight six six ninety 90 red-eye he is eric harley and i'm gary mcnamara welcome and good morning thank you for being here it's the friday show you know last hour we played uh, some audio from representative wesley hunt of uh of uh, texas and i mm-hmm. said really impressed uh uh you know by him he uh freshman uh, in in uh, last year in a new district in uh, in Texas. Yeah. And I said he's got a great future in politics if he wants it. Let's go to Kurt in Re- seen Wisconsin who wanted to talk about him. Hi, Kurt. You're on Rudd Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning, fellow. Hey. Hi. I just
4: called to, uh, called to say thanks for uh, introducing him to America, the man that I think should be the next president of the United States. And that is Wesley Hunt. In that uh, testimony, I like what he had to say about chipping away at our core values. I certainly agree with everything he said about guns. I like the way he presented himself. I like his thoughts. I think he's uh, certainly a leader for the uh, Republican Party. He's what they need. He's what the Democrats need. I think most of all, he's what uh, the United States needs to uh, lead us as president commander in chief if he doesn't come up with a campaign on his own i'm going
0: to write him in on my well, ballot well i don't i don't believe he's going to run now i mean he's just he's just entered congress but i will, but he might I, one day but yo i you know. I, th- I think he Thanks, should Kurt. well i think he should and let me let me give you the uh the uh, the reasons and none of the reasons have to do with the fact that he's a republican uh and uh has a uh, uh has a uh, darker skin color that I mean, I'm I'm not one who sits there and says this is what the Republicans need. No, what the Republicans need is anybody who can articulate something. And the things that's special about Wesley Hunt is not that he's a black Republican or a black conservative or somebody who is uh, you know a black West Point uh, uh, conservative. What's important is he has military experience. This is what I this is what I really like about this guy, and this is why I hope he decides. To stay in uh, in in politics, number one, he sought it out after West Point and being a black being a Black Hawk helicopter pilot. Mm -hmm. Okay, in in uh, in in the military, West Point graduate, a helicopter pilot means he's extremely smart. He knows how to fly helicopters. You've got to be on the ball to do that. He also, what did he graduate from West Point in? Mechanical engineering, which means he knows how things work. I'm so darn sick. I almost said the other word because I'm passionate. I'm so sick of the majority of Congress being lawyers. I want somebody in there who actually knows how things work. And I believe, I don't know, did he say that there? I know that there was some other, there was either that audio or uh, some other audio that I played here recently where he said, oh, no, he did say it. We put people that are unqualified You know, that don't even know, like the head of the ATF who said, well, I'm not really an expert on guns. What are you talking about? (laughs) Or, I really don't know about this. And, and you know, you and I have talked about how, for example, AOC out there earlier this week, actually last weekend, promoting the Green New Deal. Does anybody think that AOC knows anything about how the real world works? Do you think that she knows anything about science or, let me throw this in there, Physics? (laughs) Mm, yeah (laughs) all right Mm -hmm. that was that was relating to something earlier this week (laughs) you really think she knows how things work do you think that anyone any democrat for example biden you think biden when he proposes that we run our entire grid on solar and wind do you think that that is an opinion that is based on engineering on electrical engineering Does anybody believe that the Democrats who are talking about uh, we need to spend more money, that we can handle this kind of debt, do you really think that they are knowledgeable on the economics of debt and realize the seriousness of it? We put clueless people into Congress all the time. We put people who have no idea how the real world runs into Congress to basically be the people that are going to craft what our society how our society runs, and they're completely clueless. Representative Hunt is not. Well, you you know you think about it, his service. Uh, I by the way, just on a personal note, I'm always amazed by anybody who can fly a helicopter. But he flew a, Apache helicopters. I said I said Black Apache yeah. helicopters. Um, and. That's, you know, that to yep. me, which obviously is a is a whole other level. But then engineering, also an MBA uh, degree, yep. Yep. which means uh, he understands how business works. All of these things are critical. The discipline for the military academy and the military, all of these things are critical. And then, of course, what you heard earlier, conviction. Yeah. He carries it with him. It he doesn't carry it with him, it's part of him. Who he is, yeah. And that's what we have talked about. When you're on a stage, we want to hear that conviction. If you change your position on a on an issue, I want to hear why and I want to hear the conviction behind why it changed. And that's what people expect. Nobody expects perfection. But they do expect people who do have those qualities. Think about it: the the discipline, the critical thinking mind yes. of the of mechanical engineering, yep. uh, having MBA. this MBA, um, and 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 again the 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 dedication, uh, the loyalty uh, that that comes from a, a strong family life. Um, but that discipline is is what builds that conviction. That's what builds that passion for what you believe. And you don't for someone like that, they don't need a speech writer. They don't sit around and talk in circles about the moments where we should cherish the moments in time and not forget the moment in time that is here and the moment in time that was yesterday and the moment that will be tomorrow's moment and that's not what no. you, what you hear could not be mistaken for anything else no. that's what we need well we, we talk about, you know, for example, in Congress and how many lawyers there are in there and how many career politicians. He's 41 years old. He just was elected to Congress in October. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he has served the military. Like I said, MBA, uh, you know, uh, an Apache helicopter pilot, uh, MBA, uh, uh, mechanical engineering degree. This is the guy who knows how the world works. Yeah. He knows science. He knows it. Only idiots only complete moronic, and and only do we live in an idiot nation that would allow, not all of us, <laughs> but we live in a significant portion of an idiot nation who would sit there and go, oh, yep, 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 we can run the entire grid with solar and wind, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, but well, the sun, what about the wind dying in the they, sun? Oh, nope, don't matter, we can just do it, we can build the batteries to do it, yep, we can just do it because we say we can do it. Well, you can't do it. Because that is the arrogance When they come off sounding like all-knowing, that's the one thing. Another thing you don't hear from him, he doesn't profess to be an expert. His actions and experience speak for him. He doesn't walk to the podium and tell everyone basically how it's going to be. You're not going to hear any gaslighting. Mm -hmm. and, And this is what we get far too often. Oh, most, is cr- this, most well, critical thinkers don't is, want to guess. Yeah, exactly. You're, and, and, and this is what you want someone with that, that, that discipline, that conviction, that experience that's demonstrated that they're willing to do the job. That's what's required. Well, we always say we want people outside of lawyers. Well, here's somebody who actually knows how the world works, has served the country has done an extremely dangerous d- dangerous job to serve the country as an MBA has mechanical engineering degree which means he knows when you we look at when we look at energy when you look look if you have got a mechanical engineering degree especially mechanical engineering and I know that you know how I know that cuz my dad told me that He says, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> of all the engineering yeah. you know the one that gives you the most wide range of of knowledge is yeah. is mechanical engineering. Right. But the fact is when you have a mechanical engineering degree, you know about electricity, you know chemistry, you know uh, to be able to get to that particular point as he has. He knows how things work. He knows about physics. He knows about chemistry. He knows, uh, you know, about, uh, uh, you know, uh, electricity. He know all these things that are important of how we're, we are going to become a, a more successful country. Than we have been, which has been the greatest successful country in the history of the world. Uh, well, he's the kind of guy that you want in there. And nor, look, I am not impressed, and neither is Eric by most politicians, even no. on the Republican side. Nope. we're no. not impressed. No. We really haven't been. There's a lot of crap that flies around. Even Trump. A lot of even Trump. Of course, Trump. Mm-hmm. A lot of crap flies around. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of BS that he throws your way. And, and, uh, the majority, I believe more, I mean, Democrats have gone to the point of being insane Republicans BS, but Democrats are absolutely off the wall insane. But don't you believe, don't you ever believe that Eric and I don't think that Republicans don't BS you. And we point out when they do, because it's important that we don't buy the hype. Somebody has to tell the truth. Somebody has to live in the real world. Somebody has to be willing not to be BSed. Well, and, and that's it. You know, when we look for, uh, you know, some will say leaders, I like the words public servant, someone who will service well. You look for somebody who is clearly intent on doing that and with their experience has that understanding in as we we lined it out. what uh, Whether it's, you know, uh, mechanical engineering, uh, his MBA, his military experience. And all that, you have that understanding so that as you move forward on legislation and policy, you have a thoughtful approach. And we have anything but that right now in way too many cases. Oh, And that includes yeah. the Republican Party. So, yes, he is a standout and I hope he sticks around. Yeah, so do I. You know, he's like I said, he's not a career politician. Got in what last year, or so he would have either been—I don't know when his birthday is—either forty or forty-one before mm-hmm. he decided to, uh, you know, to, to get in. But built a wealth of knowledge of how the real world works. Yeah, and that's important because we lack that big time right now. Right, and we lack we we lack in our politics the people that will be. That can communicate anything, and not only communicate effectively, but debate against the other side, and and do it. When I've seen when he does, it's and it's relatively new. I mean his uh, his uh, his resume in politics is very short. Yeah, we're talking months here. Yeah, but every yeah, time yeah. I've seen him in any type of debate, I'm like, oh man, this guy's just sharp. Yeah, he just has it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and, I, and that's what you want. Well, you know why? When you're you're a pilot, yeah. Apache Apache helicopter pilot. Imagine the war games and the things that he's been involved in. You got to think like that. Yeah. You've got to come up with decisions like that. You become an ex, a, a, probably one of the best kind of critical thinkers out there, which means you can you can decipher any argument out there, and boom, you've got it in the files of your brain and boom, you can pound on it, and that's what you need to do. Yeah, and at that level, in those situations, your decisions have to be right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Or you're dead. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, uh, impressed by him. That's why I wanted to put the last caller on, because I realized I hadn't said everything that I liked about him, about his background, and a lot of people may want to know about, you know. Um, well, because there, there has to be a focus, uh, there has to be a, a focus, you know, by the people by the people who who vote by the rank and file on what the future of the party is when someone yeah. like Mitch McConnell talks about it I'm like give me a yeah. break yeah you know but when when we're talking about it that's where it all starts and ends and there has to be a drive for that there has to be a demand for this type of leadership this type of public servant in place and, you know, I mean, at the age of forty-one, a bright future ahead. Yeah, you, so you may want to check out uh, Representative Wesley Hunt. Yeah, who we played last hour. Yeah. I and mean, we talked about you know gun control, but yep. just a yeah. uh, great future ahead. Yep, great future for sure. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Coming up,
1: more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
0: It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety uh, Red Just so you know, uh, uh, Wesley Hunt. After he, uh, after he flew uh, Apache helicopters in the military, after being discharged honorably discharged, he went to Cornell, obtained a master's of business administration, master of public administration, and a master of industrial and labor relations. And this is after uh, he was at the United States uh, United States Military Academy. Where he received a Bachelor of Science in Leadership and Management with a Mechanical Engineering degree in 2004. Mm-hmm. So, I just, uh, important to understand. I mean, it's, it's like after he got out, I mean, he wanted to know a lot of different things. So, that's what you want. People always say, well, we want somebody who, you know, has a wide knowledge of everything. We're sick and tired of lawyers just serving in Congress. Well, Wesley Hunt is the kind of person people have been screaming for, right? Yeah, so we'll definitely. see. Definitely, we we'll see where he goes in the future. Well, as you just said, he goes. You, we need somebody like that. You need. We need. We've talked about the media. We've talked about the fact of the lack of critical thinkers in the media. Mm-hmm. For example, that that uh, uh, if if you and I are sitting in there and the and the White House press corps says yes, and the president or not the White House press corps, but Kareem Jean Pierre says well yes, and the president says we will be all solar and wind. By 2020, by 2034, or whatever, we'd say, well, that's idiotic. We'd look at, well, that's absolutely idiotic. You can't do that by science. Well, he believes that you can. Well, I don't care whether he believes you can. You don't know what you're talking about, and neither does he. And that's what you need in the the press. You need that in politics. You, I can't believe I'm saying this. You need people that know what the hell's going on. There's a wide scientific consensus that there is absolutely no way to make it happen. Right. And and we don't have that, of those questions. And if the questions aren't asked, and people just go along with it, oh, okay, sounds good to me. Yeah, no, I I forget who it was, um, but that's over you, the last couple of days. Uh, uh, one, the mainstream media focusing on the whole uh, lithium and cobalt mines and slave labor, and all of that. But then talking about how it's also supply wise not possible. The mining. Right. It is impossible. It, it, right. it would be impossible. <laughs> and and as you you were saying, goes this was gets us to the point where Don Lemon, as we yeah. had we played the audio cut, actually sits there and they all get around all the meeting. That okay, let's ask all these uh, experts from the NTSB yeah. and Mary yeah. shivo or she was former Inspector General or I believe it was of uh, the FAA or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. You know these uh, in, these the best experts that we have on plane crashes, and uh, we're all sitting around a table. We're all clueless. Let's ask, somebody sent us an email, could it have been a black hole yeah. that took down the Malaysia airline? Yeah. Okay, let's all sit there. Okay, do you have the graphics set? All right. Well, I mean, this may be absurd. Well, is it absurd? Or could it have been a black hole? Think yeah. about the idiocy, that the, the amount of ignorance and idiocy that existed that day at CNN. And it surrounds um, us every single day. Yeah. Because we're surrounded by people. Who don't go out and seek the knowledge? Who don't pursue uh, the that type of degree or that type of experience where you learn how things actually work? And they have no interest. No, they don't. And how things, let throw out the narrative that sounds good. Right. Yeah, and exactly. If, and if we're clueless and ignorant, yeah. it doesn't matter. We can still virtue signal that we care more than you. Yeah.
1: You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the
0: Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara, Eight six six ninety 90 red eye Now we're going to spend the next two and a half hours of the show going through each and every physical characteristic of every draft choice. Taken in the NFL last night. Uh, uh, no. Let's start with. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. <laughs> it was. No, it, it was I, the, I'll uh, say this. The only thing to me that's even close to being anything of interest, watching a young person basically graduate into the NFL. That's kind of cool. Good luck to them. Yep. I can see where their families and, you know, um, a friend of ours and colleague was close to uh, a, a person that went into uh, LT that went into the NFL and and played, uh, I don't know, did he play 10 years, Tomlinson? I don't know how many years he played. But anyway, it was a great success story, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as it often is, a um, guy I went to high school with played for the Patriots for four years and right now is the, uh, I always have to check because <laughs> management changes so often. Uh, he's the assistant GM in Miami. And that's always cool to see success stories like that, you know? And when young people are going on to great things, that's awesome. Great. Good luck. But beyond that, you know, in terms of what it means for the teams, and well, there's one of it. I don't, I don't care. I I just don't care because you said it years ago. Draft day isn't the game. Yeah, I mean, I, do, I just don't get I don't get too excited about I mean, it. You know, it's you know the what I think one you know, of the more recent yeah, lessons we have yeah. learned about it is that. Johnny Football's middle name apparently was College. <laughs> you know what kind of story I like? Mm. The story that was out earlier this week: a guy by the name of uh, Drew Maggie, mm. who uh, was in, has been in the minors for 13 years, mm-hmm. and he was in the minor leagues for the uh, the Pirates. Yeah, and, and got called up earlier this week. Oh wow. First time ever, yeah. he's been yeah. called up to the yeah. to the majors. Yeah. I mean, that's almost like what was the movie the uh, the rookie? Yeah, yeah, the rookie what was right. it? the Jim Morris, mm-hmm. yeah, Jim Morris, who was the, yeah. the Disney movie. And by right. the way, the day that if you ever seen the movie The Rookie, and I, what's the actor that's in it? I can't think of it. Oh, Quaid. Yes, yes, Dennis, mm-hmm. Dennis Quaid, in there. Uh, I was there the night they filmed that mo- the the scene. At uh, the uh, Arlington Ballpark. Yeah, right. I was, in fact, I was, when you see him, I was in, I was right there in the tunnel of the dugout when he comes. I thought I was going to be in the movie, and it didn't and I wasn't dressed up. I was just, you know, hidden back there. Right, right. uh, Just standing there in the dugout, and all the actors were there. When he remember when he strikes out the the guy and comes running off the field mm-hmm. and into the dugout, mm-hmm. I was right there in the tunnel of the dugout, mm-hmm. and the cameras are right there. And I went, I may be in this movie, and mm-hmm. I just they they cut it out. I mean, they were, but when he came, but we were there. That that happened like at three in the morning. I finally left. We left mm-hmm. like three thirty or four in the morning. because yeah. it was after a Rangers game, right? And right. the whole thing there where he, you know, was like uh, I think it was a seventh inning stretch in the game and the rookie where he's you know he's uh in the bullpen, throwing, then he comes running out, and they set up a track right. in This, I mean, they did this in like two minutes. They set up a track, you know, for a camera that went you know, uh, and and then you know the uh, the guy uh, you know holding the camera and the other guy on the track following him all the way out from the the uh, the uh, the uh, the bullpen mm. uh, all the way that was in the outfield all the way to the pitcher's mound, mm. and then everybody's sitting there clapping. You're you know you're told to clap and mm-hmm. do all that. Mm-hmm. Then afterwards, about. Well, I not know. Two, three thousand people stayed. So, and they all told them to come down, you know, near the field, and they all were sitting right there. But uh, it's that kind of story. I mean, Jim Jim Morso wasn't in the minors, so he was called up. I mean, he was in the minors for a part of a season, but they discovered him, you know, as, as a high school teacher. Yeah, and he did it just as a dare, right? You know, because he was a high school football co- or high school mm-hmm. baseball coach, and they said if we win. The sectionals, you've got to try out, and he did, and he mm-hmm. actually made it. <laughs> I think it was yeah. in, like, for two years, two and a half years. Yeah, those years. those stories, those those are, stories are interesting. Great. But a guy's yeah. 13 seasons in the minors, and then gets yeah. called up, and I saw the video of it, mm. and you could just tell me he was just psyched. Because, come on, you're, imagine you're seven or eight in the minors, and you've never been called up once. You never think you're being called up, ever. Yeah, you probably resign to the fact yeah. that you'll always yeah. play in the minors. Yeah. And so to, that's that's a kind of story. But the draft, I mean, everybody gets exci- I mean it's like, oh, I don't. It's like whatever. Unless you draft a you know, unless you you're in one of those drafts where you draft a great quarterback. Yeah. You know, and right. you know it's going to be a the odds are like, okay, the odds are 80 to 20 this guy's going to get us into the playoffs for the next 10 years in a row. Yeah. Other than that, unless it's he's like, Johnny's football. But yeah. Well, yeah, but I think <laughs> We all might have doubted that one a little bit. Mm. And even that isn't a guarantee when you draft a quarterback. never is. It's all about the game. It's all and, about how you perform on the field when you finally get there and how you improve and gel with the team and everything else. You know, it's a it's a team sport. It's, again, it's interesting and exciting for those young players. Oh. But. I got to tell you what I did yesterday. Mm. So I'm sitting at home and I look at my email. Yeah. And I got an email from the Buffalo Sabres. Okay. To do a survey of my satisfaction. Now, I haven't gone to a game in, oh, I don't know, a few years. Right. Because of COVID and everything else. But so it's was, a survey of all fans or anybody who's bought a ticket in the past? I, I don't know. Hmm. But they, or if you've ever subscribed to, you know, NHL, center ice, whatever. And it asked me what I thought about the team and then general comments at the end. And I gave a general comment at the end, and you know what it was about? I said, I only have one negative comment, and it's keeping me from going to games in the National Hockey League, and it's your support of the radical transgender movement. And I wrote the entire thing Hmm. that I've I've said on the air. I said, you're promoting, you may not know it, but you're promoting the sexism and misogyny of the radical transgender activist movement and the mindset of child abuse, with and I'm sure who's ever somebody's going somebody's going to get this, you know, somebody, yeah. some interns going to. I'm this. sure the 24 year old who's responsible for sorting those is going to keep that one. I just think like, they're going to go, "What's this?" <laughs> but I just, you know, I bought and I just said I will not be going to a game until you change. your... Your policy because it's reprehensible, mm-hmm. and I said, "But I like the management and everything of what you're doing with the team and everything else, but this is basically unacceptable." Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did that. I figured, why not? They sent me an email. What do you think? Have all we right, seen I'm numbers on you. attendance? And you know, uh, since all that began, well, the NHL's been doing fine. I think. Hmm. Remember, th- this year was the year of the protest. Remember, there's there's scuttlebutt they're not going to do it anymore. They're not going to do Pride Night anymore. And that was my point. With I didn't mention Pride Night. I just mentioned because right. their, their embrace of Pride Night also embraces the radical transgender activist movement. They're one right. and the same. Right. And that was the point. I just focused on the radical transgender, you know, uh, uh, movement. Right. And uh, which is, as we've said before, uh, sexist, misogynist. Except if you've seen, uh, who was it? Leah Thomas came out mm. and said that the feminists that are now coming out against. The liberal radical transgender activist movement that they're misogynists. Ah, yes. So now the new definition of misogyny is if you're a biological woman who is upset that a male is defining what a woman is, so the male can compete against the biological woman, well, then you hate women. Because you hate the man who wishes to be a woman. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty much where we are. (laughs) That's where we are. Yeah. And I said, I go, look, I said, we live in a society that, you know, is pretty live and let live. And even doesn't matter, as I've stated before, doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I personally think. Uh, What do you personally think? People have asked me that a couple times ago. It doesn't matter what I think. No. It matters you know where where i believe government intrusion should stop you know and and so there are things that i personally would not there's a ton of things that i disagree with that happens in society every day that i don't wish to regulate that i i believe are negatives towards society and or immoral but it doesn't matter what i think it should adults be able to be involved in that now as soon as you say, I must accept it and celebrate it with you. Well, then it ends there. Mm-hmm. And I can still have compassion, and I do have compassion because I do believe that there are transgenders out there that honestly believe that they're, you know, the other sex. There's a uh, dysphoria there. As we know, there are mental, extreme mental challenges. I'm not a doctor, so I can't precisely tell you. I don't know if doctors can tell you on it. But when you have a 25% attempted suicide rate with transgenders, there is a ton of compassion for people that are driven to that particular point and why they may be driven to that point. And the last thing I believe anybody should be doing is enabling that. Well, and that's what's going on right now with the Democrats and the liberal transgender activist movement. By the way, the Democrats yesterday, you know, there was an article in Fox News saying, well, this this isn't an issue. It's not an issue. That's how they're defending it now. It's just not an issue. It's not an issue that anybody we know is concerned about. Well, the so, uh, the DOJ going after now the um, state of Tennessee, suing officially the state of Tennessee on the ban for the transgender treatment of minors. This is going to be interesting. And they should go... They, they, it, this will go right. all the way to the Supreme Court. Right. Why? Because the Department of Justice now is on the the side of the mindset promoting child abuse. Yep. Yep. And the uh, attorney general for the state of Tennessee said, bring it on. Can't yep. wait. Can't wait to, to take this to court and defend it. And this will go to the Supreme Court. Yep. Because that's on surgery. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, this is, so, it, this is going to be, this is going to be, this could be one of the bigger cases. On this issue. Yep. It certainly will be one that is pro- profiled and highlighted along the way because it's going to get there pretty quickly, I think. And so Martina Navratilova uh, came out yesterday. Hmm. Um, uh, tennis great Martina Navratilova took a swipe at Leah Thomas for claiming women are using feminism as a means to uh, promote transphobia. Um Navratilova, uh, I'm reading this here from Breitbart, an openly gay nine-time Wimbledon champ, wasn't amused at all and took to Twitter to blast a trans swimmer. Newsflash, Leah, it's not fair. We shouldn't have to explain it to you over and over again. Also, stop explaining feminism to feminists. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I love that. Navratilova's been a fierce opponent about allowing men claiming to be women to compete in uh, in women's sports, last month uh, she praised a new policy posted by the World Athletics uh, banning transgender athletes from women's categories, calling the new policy a step in the right direction. Well, that was the mind boggling thing. And then you had uh, Mulvaney come out mm. and say that uh, there, you know, it should be you should go to jail. It should be criminal. Criminal. You should go to jail for using the wrong pronoun. They use the wrong pronoun. Yeah. So now they become sexist. Right. Sexist. Mm-hmm. Misogynist. Right. Uh, promoting the mindset of child abuse, right? And now fascist, right? They started. I think it was Matt Walsh who said it, and then I've seen other articles. Hey, they sit there, and go, "Why is this such a big issue to you?" It, no, it wasn't. You made it the issue, right? That's the other point too. They're trying to say, "Well, the conservatives made this such a big issue." No, you did. And there's been a direct back and forth yeah. between Matt Walsh and and Dylan, Dylan and. On YouTube, they demonetized Matt Walsh's channel. I saw that, yeah. and so that's been a big deal. Yeah, promote, keep promoting. You want prison time for people who say things? Please eight six six ninety Red Eye. Lines
1: open for your calls eight six six ninety Red Eye on Red Eye Radio.
0: It's Red Radio. He's Eric and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. I just watched the uh, video of a ball player have his uh, first uh, bat for Pittsburgh on uh, Wednesday night. It's uh, Drew Magy. I said Maggie, so it's okay. Maggie. No. So I, they pronounced it. He he struck out though <laughs> in his first way bat to go on, on Wednesday. Well, but he, he got <laughs> he, he he got in. I would have done better. I would have hit a home run. <laughs> oh, clearly, <laughs> clearly. Uh, coming up here, we do have uh, some uh, some new polling uh, uh, out there. This is really an interesting poll. Majority believe Biden family received millions from the Chinese government. Linked sources. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Get to that and more on the way.
1: is red-eye radio
0: all across america and around the world we are red-eye radio he is eric hurley and i'm gary McNamara. good morning download our red-eye radio app today listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight like right now all right so here we go some uh, polling here a majority of registered voters believe joe biden's family received millions of dollars from chinese government link sources now there's different polling out there. The majority of Americans have for a while believed that the Biden family has enriched themselves. Right. You know, by. And, and the, so that's a general question, which it means. It didn't focus on sources of the enrichment. Right. It didn't focus, for example, on one specific thing like the Chinese. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Wednesday Harvard uh, CAPS Harris poll found. Uh, on April 17th, this is from Breitbart House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer announced that a total of nine. Biden family members may have profited from the family's international business scheme. Six more than previously reported. Those currently identified on the payroll are Hunter Biden, James Biden, Biden and uh, Haley Biden, and a fourth unidentified Biden. And then by the time we got to a couple of days ago, three more were added in there. Mm-hmm. Collectively, the uh, the identified Biden family members have received $1.3 million from a Biden associate, who uh, was wired $3 million from a Chinese energy company two months after Joe Biden left the vice presidency. Well, that's that's just the one. That isn't totality. That's the one that they've identified. Mm-hmm. Uh, the poll asked respondents, do you think the Biden family received millions of dollars from sources related to the Chinese government, or is that a false story? Over 56% said the Biden family did receive money from sources linked to to the Chinese government, while 44% said it did not receive money. The majority of independent voters, 55%, uh, believe the Biden family received funds. 45% said it did not. Among Democrats, 68% said it was a false story. 32% said the Biden family received funds tied to the Chinese government. Republicans overwhelmingly, 81%, believe the Biden family received the funds do not believe the story. Mm. That's a problem. Because it's just begun. Yeah. Well, no, that's a good point. Let's do that same poll October 1st of this year. Mm -hmm. And then again, spring spring of next year. The spring of next year, uh, as the primary for the GOP is building, and then let's... Take that poll, um, I don't know, uh, during the get-together for the DNC at their convention in Chicago and and see where we are a year from this summer and what people believe because there's going to be so much that comes out between now and then. Because I believe the Chinese story of the 1.3 million is about a month and a half old. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, that isn't I mean that the, for example this isn't something that's 2 years old. Right. A yeah, month right, and a half right, to 2 months right, old right, right. is when that sp- specific story came out mm-hmm. about it being distributed than then uh the uh uh Bo Biden's widow also mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. I mean that that's a recent story. And the other 900 Biden's. And <laughs> then <laughs> what are we at now on the Biden count? 12. Uh That's the 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 latest there. So and that just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing Mm -hmm. and growing. And you really don't see any defense anymore. The last was the congressman, the Democratic congressman about 10 days ago, who said, who cares about Hunter Biden? Hunter isn't president of the United States. And it's like, well, yeah, everybody knows that. I don't think has has any Republican stated that Hunter Biden is president of the United States. I have not heard from Liz Cheney lately, but (laughs) I said Republican. You would have to be delusional to say it. So, no. I didn't see where Mitt Romney voted against the AI thing. I did see the the story that said Mitt Romney hinting he may endorse Joe Manchin. Oh, please. Mitt hasn't announced whether or not he's going to run again. I've always thought that from the beginning it was going to be one six-year term in the Senate for him and that he wouldn't run again in 24. But I don't know. I mean, at this point, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I, in fact, I would fully expect him to run again. I don't, I don't think he's done. I thought he would jump in to the GOP race and um, uh, for president, if only to be able to debate Trump on stage. But imagine that he did that, and then Trump doesn't show up to any of the debates. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, Mitt Romney is um, still a robot and is useless, frankly. You saw the Gallup poll for the president, his lowest numbers ever, 37% Mm. in Gallup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Came out, his favorability rating, which was the lowest uh, uh, ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the same Gallup poll. 75% of Americans think the economy is getting worse. You have 75% worse, 19% improving, Five percent stagnant. I want. We want to talk to the nineteen percent. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely. Yeah, who, who are these nineteen percent? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, the lottery winner out of the the guy with oh, the smiling face. Oh, it's a for him. That that guy, the picture in the New York Post. Yeah. Yesterday, what is he? Thirty years old. Yeah. He was. He had a smile. Oh man! Bought a. Actually, and, and you said it, he's actually doing some smart things. Couple because of things he's if, done right. If, if you buy, he bought two homes, and so you're not blowing it on gambling. If you, if you buy the homes like he's buying, a couple of homes in California, then that's going to hold, if not increase in value over the years. That's a pretty sound investment to either park your money or to turn that into more money down the road. Now, the thing that does stink is, he has a bodyguard with him all the time, and two bodyguards at home. Yes, he has a total of three around the clock. That would, they are with him twenty-four-seven. That would drive me crazy. That would feel weird. That would drive me crazy. There's there, you know, in the in the the few media pictures that come out, one of the bodyguards is with him, and you're in a two-seater Porsche that he's driving. That he, uh, it's a, apparently a, a collector. Uh, porsche and it's uh a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar car they said not that well that's nothing for him no but uh but it's even but, even dave ramsey if he would have called and said yeah. should i buy i'm not sure i i just won a uh, i just won uh a billion dollars yeah uh should i can i spend two hundred fifty thousand on a porsche even yeah. dave would say yes buy the car buy the car Buy three of them. Uh, yeah. But you, you can't go out on a date in that car without, you know, unless you leave no, your bodyguarded at home. right? And I don't know his marital status. I, I don't but know, I'm what, I don't if, know he's, if he's, yeah. I'm assuming if he's single. I, well, here's the problem with being now famously wealthy. And uh, there was a um, uh, a guy who sold his uh. He was, a, he was a gaming technology guru and, and designed a huge game back in the day and sold his company for just under, his take was just under $2 billion. And he said, everything changed because I was standing in a room with other billionaires and anyone that I didn't know, I didn't know if they were talking to me because you don't know if they're talking to you, be, if they're interested in you for your money or not. Mm-hmm. And... There's also this level of understanding having that same thing in place. So if you go out on a date with someone who's not wealthy, then they don't understand what you are now going through. And so there's that difference. And he was, he explained it and it was like, no, those, were, those are the things that come along with being famously wealthy is that you don't know the motives of any any individual who approaches you or any organization mm-hmm. or anything like that. Now, some people don't care. I mean, Mark Cuban, you know, they, it's, he seemingly handles it pretty well. Um, but I've had uh, a couple of family members who work for people who are famously wealthy. And the daily protocol is insane compared to what we do go through every day right Mm -hmm. and i i couldn't i wouldn't be able to do it i it would be it would be maddening it would it would would feel like you would feel like you were in a prison uh, or on um you know in in some kind of uh your life is gone well well that's it i mean think about that you should he should have those bodyguards absolutely should have those bodyguards Yeah. yeah In fact, I would advise him to never not have those bodyguards, but that's kind of the feeling. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't I, want that I, life. It, it's, it's that one step away oh. from being, you know, that, that freedom that, that you want, and, and also anonymity. Now, his face is in the media now, but he's not as famous as like a Mark Cuban No he'll be who is very yeah, people vocal will, in, people will forget about him. The lottery I think, I, winners I, they forget about him. I think so. I right. think he'll have it better than most uh people who are famously wealthy. But it's still a um I have a friend or knew a person uh years ago who won a small a much smaller amount, eight million, and immediately uh within twenty four hours had to shut their phone off. Uh this was before cell phones. And had to move, had to leave. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's when eight million was actually. It was a it, decent amount was, of money. It was inflation. Worth, it, it was worth. It, it was worth people <laughs> bothering you for. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> now it's like oh eight
0: million. Oh no, no, no. You know? Do you know? Do you happen to know the number of the guy who won the mm. billion? <laughs> eight million, please. Yeah. The, you and I were talking about if we won that kind of money. The only thing I would really want to do. Again, and, and you said at first was the only thing I would do is get, uh, uh, not buy one. I wouldn't buy one because it eats money, but yeah. I'd, I would lease private jet time. Yeah, I would I would travel and, privately. And and that would just be, for yeah. me, it would be right now to probably visit my dad every weekend and be able to fly, you know, from the jet airport right near my house and yeah, not have to yeah. go through anything and just jump on it. You're there and then you're back all the time. Because you're paying for the time. That's what you're paying for. You're, yeah. Because it would cut down the time, the travel time. Oh yeah, exactly. and if you could be at like a destination, if you wanted to travel to a destination much sooner you uh, than so flying commercial or driving, of course, um, then you're you're talking about that time, which is worth, you know, there. Well, you can't put a price on really. And no, no I also, no price on I also, if I won that kind of money, I I would not divulge that. I would I would not uh, right. That would not be public. Yeah. And so for, for me, it would be the the private jet time. Oh, yeah. And of course, chicks. You know, it's, it's, yes. Mm-hmm. Baby chickens. A lot. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I, yeah. go A ch- I go into the baby I go into the chicken business, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> but he has so many chicks around his house, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> oh, the chicks. Right. That's are what I every, they're just roaming. Well, did anybody take that in any they're other way? They're just roaming. That's what I meant. I, 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 so I, many chicks. What, there chicks everywhere. Right, as far I, as the eye. Insane. Right. See, i want to be in my own business that that was I, I you know i've always thought you know i want to dude you've never seen so many chicks i, I want to be a colonel sanders <laughs> <laughs> i want to dress as a colonel <laughs> right for no apparent reason right. exactly yeah we'll have more on this economic survey hmm. uh and what people are thinking uh and and compare it to just a year ago coming up eight six six ninety red eye
6: hi i'm jen loomis a transport safety expert at jj keller and I'm here to share a tip on compliance safety accountability. To determine a driver's compliance safety accountability, or CSA score, safety event data is recorded and compared against that of other drivers. Drivers are given a CSA score, but unlike motor carrier scores, driver scores are only visible to enforcement officers during an audit. However, driver's most recent five years of crash data and three years of roadside inspection data is made available to potential employers via the Pre-Employment Screening Program, so it's a good idea for drivers to review their online PSP record from time to time. A request for data review can be submitted via data cues to have errors corrected or to have a non-preventable crash designation indicated for a crash. In the event a current or previous carrier is audited, records on drivers with high CSA scores will be targeted first but individual drivers are not subject to CSA interventions like motor carriers. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com.
1: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
0: It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. So you look at this uh, Gallup poll. In April of 21, uh, do you think that the economic conditions in the country are getting better or getting worse? In April of 21, 47% better, 46% worse. Uh, in, uh, let me see, uh, in, uh, that was, uh, that would have been two years ago in April. In February of this year, uh, for 68% worse, 26% better. March, 72% worse, 23% better. April, 75% worse, 19% better. And this goes along with, it was Jamie Dimon who said it, right? That they yeah. believe that the yeah. money will start running out as you get closer to the middle of the year and it looks like and price is still going up right, as that right. happens. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Democrats look at this and they keep saying the economy is doing great because everybody has a job. Mm. And, and I don't know. I, I, I think they realize that they just, I think they realize what's going on, but they just don't have any other answer except mm. to throw out the fact, but you're working, but you're working, but you're working. And whether they don't understand it or whether they just won't admit it, a bigger problem in society is when you're working. Think about this. Unemployment's at record lows, yet the vast majority of people believe the economy is in the tank. Why? Because as we stated a couple of years ago when this inflation started happening, this is what they have to watch out for because when they say the economy, people don't sit there like we do and say, well, what is the inventory? What are the inventory supplies versus the investment of business and, uh, and uh, what's what the interest rate? And the rate breakdown in wholesale banks. prices right. when exactly. the manufacturers are right. looking at the index, which changed right. in a curve, which began at the beginning of the last first quarter cycle. Yeah. And they say, I'm working and I have to get another job. Mm-hmm. And I get another job, another part-time job, and I still can't make it because inflation is killing me. The economy's bad. But you're working. It doesn't matter. I can't afford it. I'm constantly getting behind. I'm running out of money. I'm dipping into my savings. And there seems to be, from the left, no recognition or no willingness to recognize that from the very beginning or not really understanding from the very beginning because remember the whole thing on inflation. Oh, it's trans. Well, there's not going to be any inflation. No, it's going to be it's transitory. Everything else. They kept denying what we knew was coming, yeah. and they had to know it was coming. Their right. economists told them it was coming. Right. Liberal economists from the Obama administration told them it was coming, and they just refused to accept it. Then when it hits, it's almost as if they refuse to believe that people will react to it in a certain way. I think there. I think with some there's like this puzzlement well but people are employed why do they think the economy is bad and as then and you see them up there well the media keeps saying the economy is bad Mm. and so people believe it no yeah if the media was saying the economy was bad and people were doing great they would know the difference yeah right they would say no i'm doing great yeah because it's based on your individual financial situation that's how you judge what the economy is doing
1: The bonus show. Hey,
0: it's Rodney Radio. He's Eric Carlin, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Ruddy. You know, just uh, uh, audio coming up here on on the economy in just a second, and the GDP numbers from from uh, yesterday. And we'll hear from uh, Larry Kudlow, uh, former uh, uh, advisor to uh, to Trump economic advisor to uh, Trump, mm. but this, the you know, the worst thing I saw yesterday, and this was on LinkedIn mm. and this was, you know, some of the Disney layoffs. Yeah. And it was somebody who, I think it was somebody who either was working. It was somebody who was on LinkedIn was, was, you know, it, it showed they're working for Disney. So I don't know if they were part of the getting laid off or what, mm. But uh, it was like, if you need any help, please give me a call. Please give me a call. Please give me a call. And the first comment afterwards was from somebody from Uber. Well, we can help if you're looking for a job. I went, oh, man. Hmm. Oh, that was – it was the first comment afterwards. Hmm. It was Uber attempting to recruit Disney workers on LinkedIn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was like – I just shook my head going – Okay, and I didn't read the comments. I, I I don't know if I want to read the comments mm-hmm. that appeared after that, but mm-hmm. uh, just thought I would uh, mention that something I saw on social media yesterday. Uh, all right, I want to play this because a lot of people are saying, okay, you know, we we saw the GDP numbers, one point one percent growth. Interesting here because Cutlow breaks it down what it's been the last five quarters. When you actually look at the average in the last five quarters, and really explains what what uh, you know stagflation uh, is. Uh, on, uh, from, on Fox News last night. Here we go.
5: We're running uh, a little less than 1% growth. All right. And the inflation rate is about 6%. This is the last five quarters. So starting with Biden's first full year in office, which was 2022 last year. Right. All right. That's four quarters. And this first quarter, 0.9% real growth and 6% Inflation. So that's when the inflation rate is above the growth rate. That's called stagflation. It was a term started in the 1970s when I was a junior economist on Wall Street and the Federal Reserve and then worked for Ronald Reagan. What it means is in plain English is that inflation is rising faster than incomes. Inflation is rising faster than wages. So real wages living standards have been falling now for almost 3 years under Joe Biden.
0: There you go. Hmm. And and that's why you're seeing the numbers that you see. And there's nothing that they can there's nothing that they can do about it and that's why we said the 1.1% uh GDP uh, you know GDP growth rate from uh, from yesterday and the inflation that we still have plus and and we think one of the numbers that a lot of the economists ignored not all did, but the uh, really the investment numbers, you know, the right, in, in, right. and they were saying, yeah, but inventories were, you know, were, uh, you know, were yeah, leaner inventories. And an analyst was saying leaner inventories uh, points to uh, a more solid GDP right. uh, for the second quarter, but left out the whole lack of investment part of it. Yeah. And I thought, well, hold on a second. And even that analyst qualified and said, but there are so many other factors that could play into it. Well, of course there are, including investment, and that's that's it. What does business think that the consumer is doing? What are they betting on? Because that bet comes in the form of that investment. And, and when you take that too, I mean, I, I th- you have to take, I think, a, a lot more of the variables Then even a lot of the economists throw in and you and I talking about yesterday, again, again, the the debt and the increase in, for example, delinquencies, 60 days uh, on auto loans Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. that have gone up 20 percent. And I know. And and by the way, that's as a former bill collector, it has been a long time. But that was very important. Mm -hmm. If you're under 30 days, no big deal. 30 Mm -hmm. days. okay. 60 days. Concern. Yeah. In fact, past 60 days. You shouldn't expect to have that vehicle much longer. Right. If you're not doing something to get caught up. Right. And, and so that that when you see that, those those are the kind of numbers where you say, okay, uh, you know, this means the expendable cash isn't there. People are tightening their, their belts. They're now deciding, okay, what should I pay? And that's where you start saying, okay, I got to pay my mortgage first. Yeah. Or I got to pay my rent first. And I'll hold off on this secondly. And that's the concern that that uh, I believe uh, a lot of people have. And when you see, again, that the investment is down and now the cash crunch for the consumer may be coming, at the same time when inventories are low and investment is low, that's where you look at it and, and you wonder – and again, I'm not an economist, but I know enough about it. I've studied it long enough to know the numbers. Those numbers aren't good. And I still haven't seen anything where I view it because what it indicates is that stagflation is here for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's happened, you know, when, when you look at, you know, since the, you know, when you look over the last, when you look, I mean, COVID, because you have to include COVID in the entire thing. So you're talking about as he just mentioned three because of COVID. You're talking about three years of of uh, of economic hurt for the American people. And and the fact is, if government sits there and says, "Okay, we're going into a recession, people are really hurting, we need to spend trillions more," then what do you do? You send the inflation right back up again. Yeah, right. And that's not going to, you know. Uh, it's not going to change the fundamentals. You're only going to manipulate the economy for a very short time, which long term, again, brings on that inflation. I don't know what um, is going to happen, you know, with Jerome Powell after, uh, you know, this year. Now the analysts believe they point to at least one, if not two more, uh, quarter of a point uh, interest rate hikes and you know by the end of the year but if they try and move in the opposite direction in in 24 as either an uh an election year political move or you know whatever it is not going to be you know anything uh that is going to help the economy long term it's going to do more damage and and quite frankly you know, if, uh, if Biden were to lose his bid for a second term and they're going out the door and you're bringing on a recession as a result of manipulating the interest rates in a downward direction, and then Democrats aren't going to care about that. They hand it yeah. off to a Republican and you go into a recession just like in the Carter years. You hand it off to Reagan, let Reagan deal with it we've spent a, a lot of time talking about where both political parties are going and that's mm-hmm. because uh you know uh trump is officially announced and, and then biden officially announced this week mm-hmm. and so we said okay what does it look like you know over the next uh, couple of years and one of the things we've talked about in politics that has changed and and really by 2024 it's going to the american public will feel the full impact and that's that everything that government has done is no longer abstract. We are now feeling the, the only logical result of the irresponsible spending that we've been involved with Hmm. and the fed manipulation of the dollar and everything. We, I mean, we're feeling it now. It's you, it it really isn't like, okay, if we do this, we can get a reprieve for five years. And I think that's one of the challenges right now. And what, what I, I won't say I'm afraid of it because reality is reality, but I think there's a good chance that there aren't going to be, that this is the time now for whatever length of time it's going to be, a year, two years, three years, five years, ten years, where if you get yourself into debt and you get yourself into a bad economic situation, it takes a long time to get out of it and people will feel it for a significant period of time. Because still, when you see right now on the debt ceiling, Democrats Mm -hmm. are still saying and we talked about what the Republicans are willing to do. Well, it's uh, your your hair is your hair is down to your ankles and you've taken a haircut to put it uh, uh, above where the uh, uh, (laughs) maybe just above the ankle. Mm-hmm. you've cut it two inches above the ankle and say, well, I've given myself a haircut. Well, there's a heck of a lot more to go. And we talked about the Republicans yeah, the are going to be the, the Republican. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I don't worry about anything, man. I'm just just <laughs> Another toke, another drink. And, uh, I don't worry about the world. And you can well, be vice president <laughs> or a, uh, democratic, uh, Marianne Williamson. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still they're still calling her Moonbeam, right? Aren't they? I I I don't moon know Moon unit or something. There's a yeah. name. There's a name for. Mm-hmm. So I saw a name. It was a Democrat that was referring to her as right, right. You know, basically, I guess the term would be a space cadet in in mm. in some way. Mm. Uh, but that's that's the thing. Are we into a time where there isn't government can't save us? There isn't going to be a reprieve. They can't come in again. I mean, can the Fed come in again? Can the Fed come in again and manipulate the dollar and say we're going to buy our debt? So we have to start lowering the interest rate again, so we can buy our own debt. I mean, we're in. It's almost as if we're in this financial death spiral that we're not going to get out of. Well, because I don't know how you get out of it, Eric. I don't know how there comes to a point in debt where you can't. You, you, there, there, there is no reprieve. Because if you are someone like Elizabeth Warren, you are rooting for the banks to fail so that government can have more control ultimately. We go in and we help them, and then on the tail end of that, we impose so much legislation and rulemaking uh, and regulations uh, that we basically are, are taking more and more control of them, um, but also that then we point to the Fed and build the political pressure for the Fed to reverse the interest rates, which will further drive the economy into a crisis, which is exactly what Democrats mm-hmm. want. And and there is no real pro-growth policy. In fact, all you have, the majority still, because the executive branch and the Senate and every single member of the Democratic Party doesn't want the private sector to succeed. No. And so in the past, when we talk about economic growth, helping, you know, to finance the budget... Well, they don't expect that economic growth to be there. The Democrats don't want the economic growth to be there. This is all calculated. So they want to borrow like crazy. This is almost like somebody who's saying, you know, um, I was working uh, a job where I was putting in 60 hours a week and I was making, um, you know, I'm just throwing out a, a figure, $20 an hour and i don't feel like working 60 hours a week i'm only going to work 30 hours a week and i'm going to borrow a lot more money that seems to be what the demo, and i'm already in a place where i can't even pay the interest you know that i that i owe but i'm going to work a lot less hours and that's what i mean by they don't want to grow the economy they don't want to grow the the number of dollars coming in they don't want to expand the economy, yet they want to borrow more debt. And that seems to be the philosophy of the Democrats today by stating the fact that, oh, no, the investments come from the government. Because when you think about it, the entire Inflation Reduction Act, you saw yesterday, Corrine Jean-Pierre was said, my God, the CBO came out and said, this isn't going to cost us 380 or $400 billion over the next decade. This is going to cost us a trillion dollars. And she's like, well, that's really good because then we're spending more money on the investments. that Well, what are the investments we need, the investments that they're investing in? All things that can't make a profit. It's all government throwing the money around to a business that can't make a profit on its own. So you're making yourself what? You're not expanding the economy. You're just taking more dollars and borrowing more dollars at now a higher interest rate from the government to throw into industry that can't make a profit. Right. Over and over. over, Exactly. And so everything that they're doing, there isn't one thing they're doing that's wrong. They're doing everything wrong. And that's why I look at it and say, I don't know where the end game is. I don't see where the light at the end of the tunnel is. If this philosophy is going to lead government and we are in such dire straits where even if the Republicans get into office, I don't see any type of solution except major cuts and we're not going to make the major cuts until, until absolutely we have, we have to. When there is no more rail left and the train mm-hmm. literally is off the track, yeah. when all this ends, it's going to be a great deal of pain. Politically, the GOP can't do anything. No. No. And even if they had the executive branch, if and they, the Senate, if they had a they can't foolproof majority all the way across with the pub, both the House and the Senate. Would the public put up with the cuts that are actually necessary to bring us back nope. to fiscal sanity? Nope. I don't even think those that voted for them and voted for fiscal responsibility when it came down to the actual cuts, a number of them would bail and say, "Don't do it." We saw it with Obamacare 2016 versus 2017's reality of don't do it. 866
1: red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
0: It's Red Eye Radio. He's our Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. More on inflation coming up. This
1: is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.